Mission is a continual thing. Have you ever been walking close to Christ and all seemed well? Then all of a sudden you came to your senses and realized you had drifted away. You, you don't even know how you got there. So today, the question is, how can we do a better job of staying on mission and not drifting? For some help with this, we will consider some of Jesus' last words before his death and again after his resurrection before his ascension. Now, famous last words paved many a robe with calamity. Maybe you can think of some famous last words someone has said before something eventful happened. Not long ago, I was brave enough to go up to my neighbor's little dog. My famous last words were something like, Aw, you're such a sweet little doggy. Hey, buddy, let me pet you. Yes, sir. And then all of a sudden, many pain receptors simultaneously awakened in my teeth-trenched hand. Yes. And have you ever told someone, you can trust me, I know what I'm doing, and then made a really big mess of things? Or maybe your last words, I've said this before, look, mom, no hands, just before your bicycle swerved out of control. Well, and finally, I guess, we'll, we'll add this one. There's that B-movie famous last word favorite. Which wire was I supposed to cut again? Of course, all these kinds of last words seldom leave a good legacy behind. However, there's also last words which we treasure. These instruct objectives of great purpose. Parents saying goodbye to children, leaving for college, or graduating or getting married. And the last words of a loved one before they pass away. Last words go before great crusades, campaigns, and wars. And, and they many times consist of instruction caution, and encouragement aimed toward a goal, aspiration, or mission. And that seems to be the case with Jesus' last words before his death and again after his resurrection. It was about the disciples' mission to abide in him, take his comfort, and share the good news of Jesus with others. So Jesus, in John's chapter 13 through 17, the day before he went to the cross, he gave final instructions to his disciples and an abundance of exceeding comfort and encouragement. Yes, they would face many trials in their charge and most die martyrs' deaths. But Jesus promised he would give them whatever they needed to accomplish the mission. Whatever they ask in his name, the mission must go forward and God be glorified. And then in John 17, I love this chapter, God promises a lot of encouragement for us as well. It teaches that God shared his glory with himself within the Trinity and will share his glory with us who are on his assignment. He had promised his Holy Spirit in John 16, and now he mentions giving us things like his word, his name, his joy, love, glory, and something else the Trinity shared. Eternal life, gifts given to all believers on mission. Much more can be said about that, but in glorifying God especially. But if you've ever had a boss who didn't explain your job to you, you know that creates a sense of no purpose, and there's 
usually no accomplishment because you don't know what your responsibilities are. Jesus had told us clearly our mission and then given us an abundance of encouragement and everything we need to face the trials. But how do we stay on mission? That's the question we're talking about today. I think we can see how very clearly in John 15, first we must be able to, to, we must abide in him. And we do that positionally, for one. We've got to be in right standing with God by Jesus' imputed righteousness through faith. And then practically, we abide in him as his word abides in us. And it's internalized. It becomes a part of us. And motivates and quickens us. His word is our spiritual food for growth. And we like, we like this kind of food. Psalms 34, 8 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So now this is what we delight in for, for breakfast. This spiritual food for breakfast, brunch, lunch, dinner, and everything in between, you know. And, and that spiritual herbal tea before bedtime and midnight snacks all spiritual. No refined worldly carbs for us. We do not need to acquire a taste for what makes us sick any longer. This is not a diet to balance out our lives so we can be occasionally go back and eat poison again. No. After we taste Christ, it becomes a lifestyle change altogether. We stay on mission for life when we fail, he draws us back in true repentance as he gives us what we need and what we ask for, for the mission, which we love. And we go forth to bear much good fruit. And as John 15 says, fruit that abides or lasts. So that's how we are successful on mission. It's a continual thing. Psalms 105.4 says, search for the Lord and for his strength continually seek him. That may seem kind of strange that we continue to seek for God after we've already found him. But that's how we stay on mission. We see more and more of his glory and we're transformed. We see and eat more spiritual food. I mean, we don't, we always, even though we already eat, we still have to seek more food. And so we grow spiritually in Christ. Our worship grows and our sharing grows. Psalms uh, chapter 1 teaches us the, the same thing about this one on continual mission. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And then in all that he does, he prospers. So as Christians, we, we turn away from our old mission to serve self, and are now all about taking comfort and delighting in Christ and sharing him with others. Uh, and everything about this new and, and continual mission prospers. So finally, let's go back to John and look at the last eight words. We were talking about famous last words, remember? The, the last eight words, words Jesus said in John um, before... He ascended into heaven for the final time. And one might expect John to quote Jesus giving a great commission before his ascension, like it does in Matthew 28, which basically says, this is your mission, and I will abide with you to the end of the world. Remember, go ye therefore and teach. 
Um, so that's the mission and that's the comfort. But let's consider what the last words recorded in John were and the gravity of what he writes. Um, here's the setup. Peter said he would not deny Jesus, but after that he denied Jesus three times. And I suspect he questioned his own love for Jesus. I would. Did he love Jesus with an agape or a godly, unconditional love? I believe Peter had thought he did, but after he denied, you know, he questioned that. He said he would die for Jesus, but he did. He didn't. He died. He denied him, Jesus. The Bible says how he went out and wept bitterly. He may have spent many days in deep depression, questioning his faith. And then when Jesus appears to him after the resurrection, he uh, he asked Peter if he loved him with agape love. And uh, was he willing to lay down his life unconditionally? Well, Peter answered, he didn't answer that question. He answered that he loved him with a phileo love or as a friend. Twice. I believe Peter realized he could not trust his own feelings. He had thought he loved Jesus with agape love. So now he's afraid to answer that way again. Jesus relieves his burden, though. This is totally amazing. He takes away his doubt, I believe, by telling him he will, in fact, lay down his life for him and die on a cross. The last I think Peter knows, he, he loves Jesus with agape love. He must have been ecstatic. He likely felt like a, a super Christian and would be willing to walk on coals of fire for Jesus. Satan could not stop him now. He was unsinkable, just like the Titanic. Yes, indeed, just like the Titanic. And, and this is why. Immediately, I think his burden was lifted. And he, he was like, thank you, Lord. And he turned and saw John, the disciple Jesus loved. And reading from John 21, 21, it says this. When Peter saw him, he said to him, Lord, what about this man? So it sounds like jealousy is creeping into Peter's heart. How would John die? Would he be crucified too or maybe beheaded? Will I be the only one with a difficult road ahead? Once again, as when Peter had taken his eyes off of Jesus earlier, when he was walking on the water and he sank, now he takes his focus off of Jesus again. And like the Titanic, he sinks. He sank out of mission. Listen to Jesus' last words recorded in the Gospel of John and see if you don't think they go right along with what Jesus had been saying all along. Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. You know, the other disciples uh, fell out of mission as well because they began gossiping about this. But what a, what a way to end the Gospel of John. Stay on mission. Do not be distracted by jealousy or sin or the lust of the world. Trust Jesus. Take his comfort. Find your exceeding delight in him. These last eight words of Jesus can help us stay on mission throughout every single day. Whenever someone hurts you or something goes wrong or when you feel depressed and even when you don't know why or there's some supposition of mind that tries to distract you from the mission, 
And I think Satan is working to that very end every second. That's his goal for Christians. It's to get them off mission. So remember these last eight words, count them. Jesus says to you and to me, what is that to you? You follow me. I think we can find some great comfort in that.